Hello and welcome to the Narrow Gate Podcast. This is Orly, your host. I'm happy to be back with you. It's a little over two weeks since I was with you. Um, the topic this evening is going to be about um, um, manipulative tactics that narcissists use. Okay, so I'm not going into narcissism in a big way. I will explain a little bit more about narcissism in my future posts here and on Medium and maybe LinkedIn also. These are the three places where you'll find me more and Facebook. So I am going to cover these areas I am because I'm a Christian life coach and people need to know about this and I need to know about this because people are coming with these problems. Uh, so I want to talk about it, but I want also to... Um, give you solutions from the Bible, okay? And also, I'm not going to go into huge detail about narcissism and what it is in this art, uh, article and podcast, but I will write one um, that you can refer to just for your own understanding. It will be based on psychology and psychiatry. Um, but right now, I am using the term narcissist and using a relationship that I was in over 20 years ago that was narcissistic. And I didn't know it at the time, as I said, because I didn't know what it was, but I did know that something wasn't right. I was quite discerning and I was quite aware that something was off. And I was trying to give the person, the guy, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I, in a way, I had compassion for him. I did know that he was vulnerable. I didn't know he was vulnerable. You can see it in the life of a narcissist because they are victims. Um, but at the time, I didn't know how damaged he was, you know, because anybody who's a little bit low themselves, and I was after, you know, so much change at that time, um, you know, I had my own stuff that was going on. So um, it's not like now I'm sitting here and I'm in my 50s and I've uh, been a Christian for years. I had a lot of help, a lot of support, a lot of study. I feel so strong in myself. Um, we're a totally different mindset. So I'm looking at it from a different lens. Um, but, you know, so even now I still have compassion for him, which probably made me reluctant to talk about it, you know. I would be loyal to people in my life. I'd be loyal to friends, family, and anybody, really. But at the same time, I'm not using the person's name. And I do think it's useful for other people that I share what I know. Um, I would say in the relationship, it was very difficult. It wasn't that enjoyable, and it wasn't fun. It wasn't a fun, joyful relationship. It was just kind of intense. And then, um, you know, and so the reason a lot of people get drawn to a narcissist is because there, there usually is a, um, a kind of a physical attraction because they're presenting themselves with all this charm and beauty and, you know, all these tactics, you know, so they're really, really in their highest self, you know trying to sell themselves really to you and so you are just going about your daily business and push in comes this person with um you know like say you go on a date everybody wants to be nice on a date yeah but the narcissist is like multiply that by a hundred so you're like whoo they like to just really win you over 
with their charms okay so the charms are flattery and love bombing and this is what we're going to look at today because it's manipulative okay um and we need to learn to recognize them because people are using them all over the place all the time so flattery just run from it i was out yesterday the other day it was interesting maybe it was because i was writing this article and I just went for something to eat. And one one of the men at the counter where I ate the other day stopped me. You know, um, oh, are you going to eat here today? You know, so mm, it's fine. It's friendly, okay? Uh, and then he stopped. And it was just one compliment after another. And he wasn't taking a breath in case I was to walk away, you know. And at the time, I was like, Okay, okay, yeah, you have a nice smile, okay, you look good, okay, okay, you know, not impressed, but he kept going and going and going and not taking breath, so I saw what it was anyway, and I got away, you know, but thankfully he was called away, and I didn't have to break it myself, but um, don't fall prey to flattery, and the reason, I will talk about it in the article in more detail now, and in the podcast, but the reason we fall prey to that would be if you're a little bit low in confidence and you you weren't able to validate yourself. If you require validation outside of yourself to feel like you're somebody, you're going to fall prey to their tactics. So because I'm wise now, <laughs> still trying though, you can still be caught off guard, okay? So what, that's why we need to know so, for example, he was talking yesterday. Now, he wasn't going to let me get away only for he was at work. So, I would have had to make my escape from him. Remember this. You are the one who's going to have to make the escape. So, when you see the flattery, it's going to come at you, come at you, come at you. You're this, you're lovely, you're great, you're wonderful, you're great, you're wonderful. Like, what do you say back to that? You know, I was thinking about after, like, what would, please put in the comments if you have any ideas. Like, somebody just throwing compliment after compliment, you know it's all nonsense, like, it doesn't matter if you have a nice smile, everybody has a nice smile, so what? So it might have turned around to him and say, you have a nice smile too. Oh, your eyes are nice, yeah, your eyes are nice too, like stupid things. And then that's his level, and then other people are doing it on a different level, and they might uh, they might go for something else. You uh, could be at work, and if they think that your weakness is that you need validation, that you're good at your job or you're intelligent, they might say, "Wow, I love the way you did that presentation. You're really amazing. You're such a charm, and you know you really caught my attention." And wow, you know. So these are all called tactics. So let's get into this. So I got most of the biblical wisdom in this article from um, Christianity Now, which is a newsletter and podcast on Substack, which I've been following. I find them very good. I can't vouch for them 100% because I haven't followed them for long enough, but I've read a good few of their articles and listened to their podcast. looks like very um, good information. They say um, 
they say Christianity now is a media brand focusing on timely content for the timelessness of God's word. So I like it. You know, we need God's word today. God's the same yesterday, today and forever. And with all these changes in the world today and everything getting um, thrown away, you know, everyone's discarded their beliefs. You know, they're all, oh, we don't want God. We don't want religion. We don't want anything. We just want to be free. We just want to have sex with everybody. Like, that's the way it is. <laughs> the Bible just said they just want to lose all sense of themselves. And they don't know the danger they're in. This culture, they don't know the danger they're in. And, and I have seen it because I travel and sometimes I'm sharing a house or a room or a hostel with young people and the stories they tell me, they don't know I'm a Christian. They, they might think I'm some radical, you know, woman traveling. But I, you know, I stay in hotels and I stay in hostels, guest heads. I, I love to meet people and share the gospel. The young people just tell me everything, you know. And um, wow, it's really like I know dating was always difficult in its day. But it's really bad now because they don't care about each other at all. But as I said, I had one experience of that when I was younger, but it wasn't always like that. Um, whereas today it seems to be more the norm to be meeting narcissists and everybody being ghosted and all that. That was less of a thing as well back in my day, in my 20s. Okay. So during these times, I said, this man that I met, I'm not using his name, was extremely persistent. So I would say, no, I'm tired. I've just come home. I'm sorry. You're nice and all that. He was really persistent, but he just kept going. He used all his charms, all these tactics to get me to go out with him and then to stay in the relationship. So first of all, to get me uh, interested and then to keep me in the relationship I, at the time, I wasn't that sure why was he so keen. You know, it's like, honestly, I didn't have a huge, um, I didn't think I was the most amazing woman in the world. And that's a, good, that's a good humbling thing that I had about me because I was thinking to myself, I'm not that amazing. Yeah, it's good, though. That was helpful. So let's not think that we're so amazing. And I thought, well, I'm not that amazing. I mean, he could go down to the next girl and get someone like, we don't know each other so well that he keeps going. But he was fixed on this idea. And I didn't even know what his agenda was because he was young and I was just back from traveling and I was sort of all over the place. And I was definitely not the kind of girl that was eagerly looking for a husband. It kind of wasn't me, you know. So I didn't know at the time, but I did learn later what he wanted. And so I never felt comfortable about it, but everyone, including him, was making me doubt myself. I felt he was too young and he didn't seem to have a lot of emotional sense. Yet he portrayed himself as being mature beyond his years, but he wasn't. I said about the physical attraction, and that was probably what kind of, um, you know, blinded me a little bit. Uh, that... I was drawn in by the attraction. We were attracted to one another. And although I don't think uh, there was, although we were attracted to each other, I don't think I ever really trusted him 100%. I never felt that. Of course, there is the other side that I didn't trust myself again, which um, sometimes I used to listen to the world. I don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> 
I wish I didn't listen to the advice over the years. Uh, start trusting yourself, especially if you have a prayer life. You shouldn't have to be asking so many people for advice if you pray to God and you have a good sense. And I did have a good sense because I was a kind of a solid, well, a social person, but I would spend a lot of time in solitude also. And that used to kind of balance me out and I'd know who I was. I was quite grounded. I still am quite grounded. So that those type of things stood to me in this situation with the narcissistic guy. Um, I didn't trust him, but I still kind of, the doubt was, oh, maybe I have trust issues. Maybe I have commitment issues, yeah? So that's another thing that the world is throwing at us. I, I'm beginning to discard all this stuff now because... Um, There are times where we do have trust issues. There are times where we have intimacy issues and commitment issues. But I can tell you one thing. You can talk about it with any relationship, a friendship, relationship with your parents, anybody. If the person you're with is genuine, sincere, and good, and has your best interests at heart, I can assure you won't have any problem committing to them. The reason we're afraid of commitment is there's too many people out there who would drop you like a hot cake after you investing your heart into them. So this is why we need to be careful with the narcissistic person because they will fool you, reel you in, and as soon as you're not doing what you're told like a good little girl, bang, you're out of there, you're gone. They'll hurt you. They'll drop you. That's what they do. So I didn't fully trust him and he knew that. He was always aware that I didn't fully trust him and this used to infuriate him and I knew that. But it, I didn't really know how far he'd go with his um, anger around that area that he couldn't control me. I, I, did, I actually gave him the benefit of, of the doubt that I didn't think he would be spiteful or malicious. I didn't see that coming and he that's what the problem was in the end I hadn't um, come across too many people like that in my life yeah I had people who were not so nice or whatever um, but I didn't have that kind of spiteful malicious kind of uh, character in my life before him so that's where the danger was so anyway um, he, this is how the flattery was with him. So he wasn't that good at flattery because, as I said, he didn't like to boost me up too much. He didn't like saying things. So he was better at giving gifts because that way he could just let the gift do the action because he didn't like... Maybe, maybe there's some guilt in lying. I don't know. I always give people the benefit of the doubt. He, You know if you're giving flattery, that's very much like manipulative, straight up lying. You, he'd say things like, you give my life meaning. I'd give him a look as if to say, huh, where'd you read that? You are my destiny. And I thought he was corny. And I could, you just read a book the night before. And, um, you know, so I was kind of lighthearted about everything back then, thinking this was all silly stuff. But in my mind, in the mind of a narcissist though, I only start learning later is that you're nothing, okay? 
and you are beneath them. And they're only saying these things to get you to love them. Yeah, because if you love them, they know you get hooked, but they'll never be hooked. They need you. They definitely need you because they have no inner self, but you're replaceable very easily too. They just get annoyed because they put a lot of effort into you. It takes a lot of work, you know, to get you to that point. And so it's a lot of effort and gift giving and everything. So they get angry, but they can discard you very easily. So you're beneath them. So you should be honored that you have even been chosen. Now, I remember at the time there were little comments that he would say to me, and I think that's odd. Um, because I hadn't come across a narcissist before, not to that extent, or not up close. Like, there's narcissists everywhere, but you're never going to see them unless you're close. So, obviously, a romantic relationship is where you're going to see the real true colors of a narcissist. And I remember one time walking and saying something to him about, uh, I think, oh, yeah, I wanted to return to university. And I said, I want to go back to university. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, And he'd say, oh, yeah, he says, you're very clever. You wouldn't be with me if you weren't. Like, it's funny, isn't it? He's not saying that I'm clever. He's saying, well, I wouldn't choose somebody who wasn't clever, so you must be clever. (laughs) So everything they say goes back to them. It's very funny. Um, okay, funny, but not funny, you know what I mean? So uh, so I should be very ungrateful, you know, I should be grateful that I was chosen. So uh, I sometimes look back and say, God, why did you lie that? allow it to happen, okay? But at the same time, God did it in a way where I wasn't 100% um, under the influence too long because he lived in a different place than me so we had to travel to see one another so that meant I had time to work on my own life in between so we didn't see each other all the time and that was a good thing Um, going out with a narcissist is a bit of a burden because they demand everything from you and although they will never say that when you're around them there's just misery they carry a kind of a misery with them they're just so miserable so unhappy deep on the deep core level because they're being um They've been victimized and um, the narcissist kind of lost themselves. So this is the sad side of narcissism. They lost their soul. They lost their true self because of the pain was too much for them. Now, they will make out that us, say the people who were also maybe victimized as children, um, they will make us look like we're, we're the weak ones. So they'll always belittle you. Um, undermine you so that you feel inadequate because they feel so inadequate. The narcissist has no core self. They've lost it. They've given it up. They've abandoned it. It's because of the pain in childhood. And I know that's why I have compassion for narcissists. But... I would not go out with one. I wouldn't marry one. I'm sorry. I don't think they should be married. Because they're dangerous. 
so he was moody, critical, and a bit difficult to get along with. And you would say, well, why did you go out with him then? I know, they kind of switch around a bit, though, because they have to hide it, you know. So I pick up that he's moody and critical and difficult to get along with. And then he said, well, they're always sort of putting on a show. They're always putting on a show. And it was kind of hard to get him one-to-one. He always wanted a group. And I'm saying, let's go, you know, let's be alone together. Yeah. They don't like that either because they're obviously going to see that they're empty. So they have to sort of um, have a lot of people around, you know, and they have to sort of have show going on so they don't do intimacy well so when you're alone with them they hate it and so this is why they want to get married they want to have kids they want to get everything around them they want a lot of fluff around them because then you can't see their tricks and you can't see their weakness and their deep feeling of inadequacy Okay, so even though all this was going on, he still uh, wanted me at this point, and um, so he would have to act nice. All right, so he did try to do that. And so the way it went was, and it's the same with all narcissistic people, because I know now I've met loads of them. If you want to stay, keep the peace, all you have to do is feed their ego. I mean, they're not very clever. All you got to do is tell them they're great and then everything will be fine. Just don't talk about yourself because they're not interested in you. And this is, he never asked me about me, no interest in what I was doing. He tried at the beginning, but I mean, literally you're so boring to them because they can't bear to listen to your story. They don't want to know. So, um, When I tried to have an ordinary conversation or be alone with him, as I said, he ran a mile. He couldn't handle it. It was just boring for him. He'd go, oh, this this is so boring, you know. And then if I start, okay, let's talk about you, then he smile, everything's great again, you know. So uh, some of the love bombing tactics that he used, especially at the beginning, uh, but he did use one at the end um, because... He'd had enough of me at the end because I wasn't really falling for it. I was losing interest. I was becoming depressed. <laughs> and um, I wonder why. And he was losing interest then. So, But he he wanted to hurt me at the end. So he saved one of his tactics for the end so, so that I would think that he was still interested in me. And then, bang, in goes the knife. That's what he did. Okay. And they do that. They're, they can be nasty, some of them, not all of them. So he would um, send loads of flowers, send flowers and chocolate Easter egg, Valentine cards, a ring, and send me this romantic CD, how much he loved me and his destiny, we're destiny and all that. And we'd go away together. Oh, I had to meet his family. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even want to meet his family, meet his friends, you know, loads of stuff. And there was a thing about this intensity that I noticed that I hadn't seen before that at that stage of my life. So rather than if you're out having dinner together, rather than it being romantic, it was intense. So... Uh, I remember thinking, this is a little bit unusual. Okay, so I wasn't used to it. So I know now that so intense and romantic, it's quite different. 
So he put a lot of work into this log bombing and even though it did seem kind at first, I thought, hmm, that's nice. But I wasn't overjoyed, but I was like, no, that's nice. That's all I was thinking because I knew it wasn't genuine in my soul. Deep in my, deep down, I knew it wasn't genuine. And no ex-boyfriend had been that extravagant before, and which is normal. So my ex-boyfriends were better. I couldn't shift the feeling in me in that this big bow gesture was not sincere. I knew it. I just knew it in me. None of them were, and, I, and it's true. Um, now, I know some people could read this and they might say, but that sounds lovely and romantic. But believe me, it wasn't because he had no feelings and he had zero empathy. It was all about me getting me to marry him as quickly as possible before I could um, see who he really was. And I'm sure that the women out there who have got sucked in by narcissists and married them can testify to this. As soon as they got married, love and flattery disappeared. They had kids, and for the rest of the marriage, they tried to get that attention back. I've heard this a thousand times from women who married narcissists. The narcissist gets them, you know, wins them over, and the woman spends her time, the rest of the marriage, trying to please him, but he is never happy, and he will never love her because he has no heart. He is cold and callous. He is not who he says he is, but to the asshole, outside world she looks like the luckiest lady on the planet so guard your heart dear ones don't fall for the lies now i know this happens to men as well but i'm just saying it to women because i feel i just feel i'm a woman so i'm saying it to women but there are lots of narcissistic women and i know that Okay, so just looking at uh, the information given from Christianity now about flattery and love bombing. I really like this topic that they have. It's great. So I'm just going to read most of it's from them. Um, so flattery is, what is the definition? It is to gain favor and advantages from others. So be sure they're not saying it to make you feel good. Love bombing is the practice of overwhelming someone with signs of adoration and affection, often at the start of a relationship to win the trust, but it is for ulterior motives. I definitely felt overwhelmed by this guy, but not loved. Christianity now says, they say that flattery and love bombing undermine the authenticity of the relationship, of relationships, I agree. Both of these tactics are manipulative and they aim to control the other person to gain their affection. So, there's nothing nice about it. What does the Bible say? The Bible warns against the use of flattery, saying it's deceitful and potentially harmful. In Proverbs 26, 28, it says, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. And Proverbs 29.5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. So this means that flattery is akin to setting a trap. And that's exactly what it is. Manipulation is a trap. And it's often being referred to by Christians as witchcraft, because it is. 
The Dangers of Love Bombing and Flash Raid by Christian Tina. So this is from their um, their page. You can click the link there and follow it. Um, they will have more detail. I've just taken the main points. So the dangers are manipulation. Let's see. So flattery and love bombing, what does it do? It lowers the person's guard, sways them into thinking positively of the flatterer and leads to unhealthy power dynamics within a relationship. So it's not good. Insincerity. These behaviors signal insincerity with admiration or love not rooted in genuine feelings but in an agenda to influence. It's insincere and I knew that also when I was with that guy. Dependency. So this is the trick. If, you know, it is hard not to be sucked in a little and I was sucked in a little, I will say, but I wasn't sucked in hook, line and sinker, but I was... Um, I suppose I didn't believe that a human being, at that point in my life, I didn't believe that a human being could be like that. That's what it was. I hadn't met someone that bad before, so I didn't believe it. I didn't believe. I knew it. What he was doing was wrong. But I didn't believe it happened with people like that who seemed kind of ordinary on the outside. So there you go. The devil is very cunning. Dependency. Love bombing creates an unhealthy dependency with the recipient becoming reliant on the flatterer's approval and affection. Yeah, you see? So what happens? I've seen it many times before, you know. It's like the women are like, so what? You know, so a narcissist is going to love bomb you and flatter you, and then they're going to pull it up, pull it away. Okay, so then they pull it away. So it's an addiction, right? So it's like a drug. They give you all that, and it's like, wow, that's great. That feels so lovely. Woohoo! Yeah. Okay. Attention, affection. And imagine if a girl had no sense of self, and then he pulls it away. What does she do? She chases him. She chases and chases and chases. And when she's chasing, he's laughing because he's like, ha, I've won her now. And so as soon as she gets a bit maybe distracted after or stops chasing him or maybe she finds somebody else that she's interested in, then up comes the flattery and the love bombing again. Okay, so they're using it. They're using it to control. And there are women... I'm saying women, but men and women, who spend their whole life in this dance of trying to please the narcissist. And he throws a few crumbs. And I swear I have seen it in relationships where it's got so dysfunctional and the codependent wife is so damaged that all he has to do is give her a smile and she thinks, hallelujah, I'm happy. So there's no relationship at all. There's nothing. And then emotional volatility. Those who employ flattery and love bombing may react negatively when their expectations are not met, potentially leading to hostility and further manipulation. So that's what happened with me. He got angry. 
Uh, narcissists are very angry people. Some hide it better than others. Uh, but at the heart of every true narcissist is anger and rage. They are really angry when they're not winning. Um, so, But let me just say that not, not all narcissistic people are as bad as this. Some are just self-absorbed. You know, there's many different streams of narcissism, as I said. And some are mild. It's on a spectrum. And some are mild. This guy was pretty malicious um, and very cold and callous and very cunning. I don't know how he developed it. But anyway, he was pretty bad. But a lot of them might be just selfish and aloof. And they don't want to do anything in a marriage, but they will just because they need the marriage. So they'll do the minimum. And, uh, and some people can keep the relationship going a little bit because they know how to work the narcissist if they're not too bad, you know, if they're not really abusively, if they're not really abusive. So um, there's a proverb 26, 24, that says a malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. And so that's the problem. They will hide there and then they'll come and stick a knife in your back. That's what they do. So according to Christianity Now, they have some guidelines here for resilience. So to build up resilience, what can we do so that we are not prey to narcissistic abuse? So the Bible offers strategies to resist manipulation and deceit. So here are some of them. Seek discernment. Uh, so let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. That's in Ephesians 5, 6. Uh, integrity if you have values and morals as i said they will hold you and i think that could have saved me because i was very rooted in my morals and my values from a child and i knew right from wrong and all that kind of thing and that integrity was my um, guideline so basically i was being pulled off of that he was trying to pull me off of my base and i felt wrong so when you have integrity people can't sway you in sincere people with their praise Foster genuine relationships is very important. That This will protect you against the attacks of the enemy. If you're in isolation and you don't have friends around you, you can be prey to these people. They are looking for people who are vulnerable. So get a group around you, and that can be everywhere. I have groups everywhere I go. And um, even though I travel, people think I travel alone. I'm very careful that I have people I can call on, or I could go to a church, and if I don't, if I'm traveling and I don't have people around to protect me, well, then I will not put myself in any position where I might be vulnerable. And I will pray and pray for the Holy Spirit to protect you if you are in a place. And um, But as soon as you settle anywhere, make sure you have a community around you, Christian to support group, 12-step meetings, mental health groups, read books. And then online here, there's lots of good places online. And I am already seeking new people online because writing online can be very difficult as a Christian. So I feel Christianity Now is a good um, newsletter to follow. And, and uh, I will start engaging with people like that so that I have community, okay? And also on Medium, I have community there, Christian community and also healing community. So this is very important. Um, do not crave validation. If you can validate yourself 
and be content being loved by God, you will not fall prey to manipulators and their controlling games and stay true to your values, as I said. And that means know who you are in Christ. And if you know your identity in Christ, then you can't fall prey to these things, okay? So um, that's all I really want to say today about um, this love bombing it's good now we haven't gone too long all i want to say for you if you have uh, experienced narcissistic uh, narcissistic abuse i'm very sorry that you had to go through that it was very difficult for me also although i do know that i wasn't um fully engaged in the relationship because of the distance between us and i had that awareness now some people do just get drawn in completely there's so many resources online to help you uh, if you've suffered with narcissistic abuse the bible as narcissism is a secular term the bible would just call these people wicked and disobedient people and they uh, as you can see by the scriptures below they are not following god and anyone who is not following god is open to um demonic influence and this is how i was able to forgive this person in my life because i could one have compassion that he was clearly abused in his childhood now i just want to say as well because there's two things about narcissism or people who come that way everyone thinks it's only because they were abused in childhood there is the other side which is well you could call it a form of abuse but let's just distinguish okay someone could have been sexually mentally abused or neglected or abandoned as children okay if most of this stems from childhood now the other could be the overprotected child the over um spoiled child okay so you have the other side they're not neglected but they get everything they want that they're entitled because narcissists are have entitlement all of them do but if they really grew up where money was no object they got whatever they wanted they shouted in their parents a bit some children are like that and the parents without discipline gave them everything they can also grow up to be narcissists and they have no respect for authority figures because they weren't disciplined in their childhood and money came easily to them they never had to go out and work because there was so much money in the family or they inherited their parents' business and things like that. They may have some skills, but um, they started sort of comfortable. So that can also create narcissism. So, But it is abuse too, because um, if you're wealthy and you don't discipline your children and you just spoil them, well, that's kind of abuse as well. So either way, don't think that the rich kid also always has it easy they can be um, abused and they can you know end up with these disorders as well okay so that's all i want to say today i'm going to write more about this until i feel i've covered the topic of narcissism and relating it to the bible a little bit because um we don't want all christians to be going to the secular to find information on um, these dangerous relationships because they are many many p 
people calling themselves born-again believers in churches who have these narcissistic tendencies and if we have to go to the secular all the time to get our information uh it's not really adequate okay so i'm going to mix it for a while until i can get the message you know that narcissism is actually disobedience against god it's rebellion against god and that codependency is also just a symptom of uh you know maybe the opposite side where you may have been neglected or your needs were not met so it's it's almost the opposite side of narcissism so I know about it in the psychology, but I want the biblical perspective, and I'd like more Christians to start looking in this area so we can build up the content around um, protecting Christians from harmful relationships. I swear I would not like to go through that again, what I went through with that man, and it wasn't very nice, and I I have heard that he went on to other relationships after me and I don't think they were very healthy either so I'm glad I got away from him but I'm not very happy that the women after me also suffered so I say this for the women out there and the men who have suffered at the hands of cold-hearted callous human beings who have rejected God okay so we leave it at that and thank you for listening